This is the Internet Ballers Podcast, episode 39. This is the Internet Ballers Podcast with your host, Michael Pasha, the show for internet entrepreneurs who want to learn how uncertainty and struggle turn into confidence and success. Welcome to the Ballers Circle. Thanks for listening and welcome to the Baller Circle. I'm Michael Pasha, the host of the Internet Ballers podcast, and today I'm excited to welcome Alex Barker to the Baller Circle. Alex is a coach for high achievers and mastermind creator for entrepreneurs. He's a big action taker just like his clients, and he's built three businesses in three years, paid off his house in less than three years, and has coached over 50 leaders to build lifestyle businesses. He podcasts on the 66-Day Experiment, where he experiments on his life and business, like creating a business in 66 days, reading a book a day, and facing daily rejection. Now, Alex, uh, I'm glad to have you on the show, and I, I listened to the 66-Day Experiment, and uh, the thing that was, that was really interesting to me is, the, I think, the, the, the daily book reading thing, because it takes me uh, probably about a month <laughs> to get through a book, and the fact that you were able to, to do that in a day is, uh, is pretty awesome. So what, what are some, uh, some major takeaways that you have from uh, doing this, this you know, many seasons of the 66-day experiment? And uh, what, what do you think you've, uh, I guess, learned the most about yourself and about how to develop good habits? There's a great quote by Aristotle and it goes something like this. Um, we are what we repeatedly do. Success then is not an act, but a habit. And that really, I think, summarizes season one of our show. Um, I tried focusing on a few things that I really wanted more in my life, uh, namely reading. I wanted to learn as much as I could, as quickly as I could. And I thought about doing a really great and big challenge for myself and I know that the only way for me to really take action on something that I want to do but I know is very difficult to do is to share it with the world, um, to make myself accountable in a big way. And so I recorded myself um, actually sharing what I learned from a book. Now, you know, some days were tough. Some days I actually wasn't able to get any reading at all because of travel or I, I went to a conference during that time. Um, I had some pretty big life events happen to me. So <laughs> like, for example, uh, I had someone try to approach me, uh, to sleep with me, even though they knew I was married. <laughs> um, that's, uh, an awesome episode. Cause actually, I actually share a conversation with my wife about this. Awkward. Uh, <laughs> it was, it was pretty deep, pretty interesting, uh, conversation to say the least. But, um, the greatest thing I learned from it all is the idea of the compound effect, which sounds magical and its effect almost is magical because um, you won't expect it when it happens. The idea is really simple. Um, daily actions over time equals success, period. Um, it doesn't seem like it at the time if you just keep doing something day after day after day. But all of a sudden, over time, you'll start seeing really great results that will, <laughs> it will be unexplained to you. How did this happen? Um, a great representation of this is the idea that when you knock over a domino, 
it has enough force and power behind it to knock over another domino that is 50% bigger than itself. So let's say you did that over and over and over again. If you just made a domino 150% bigger than it previously was. Uh, so you just make it bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And over time, you, by the, like, I think it's like the 57th time you did that, you'd have a domino that would reach to the moon. Hmm. The idea is if you can just focus doing on one thing and hammer away at it day after day after day after day, you'll start to see crazy results. And, and that's true in any area, business, physical, spiritual, mental, anything. So that's the greatest thing I learned from that experiment. Hmm. I like that. So you're, you're a coach. Uh, you, you coach uh, entrepreneurs. You also have uh, your own uh, side products that you, that you work on in your internet business, and you have a full-time job as a pharmacist. Uh, how, do you, how do you juggle all these things? I know you, you mentioned in the, in the podcast that you wake up at 5 a.m., uh, but that still sounds like a lot to get done uh, in, in a day, even, even waking up that early. What's your, what's your typical schedule like? Typical schedule is uh, you, want it, you want hour by hour? Uh, it doesn't have to be that detailed, but I guess it's, <laughs> as, much as, as much as you can share that you feel uh, sure. is, is, is important. Yeah. Uh, typical day uh, starts off at 5. Um, I do a lot of um, inner work during that time, whether it's reading, meditating, spiritual stuff, um, planning out my day, big picture thinking. And then 6 to 7 a.m. is usually um, client work. Usually I'll do some coaching during that time. I'll be waking up with people, uh, coaching them, helping them. And then I have my day job. It's a typical 8 to 5 kind of job. And then I come home, hang out with my family, my wife. And then occasionally, uh, like tonight, I, I set aside time to do work. Uh, sometimes that's podcast interviews just like this. Um, other times it's uh, sitting down for two hours with a client and working with them and figuring out how do we make their big vision for their life a reality? Mm. Um, so that's usually my typical schedule. Awesome. I like that. So you, uh, you, you talked a lot in the podcast about um, struggling in the beginning struggling to find something that worked. You talked about making, you know, trying Kindle books and trying niche websites and uh, all these different areas, selling things on Amazon. Um, I mm -hmm. guess throughout all your struggles and throughout all that, that period of going from struggle to struggle and pivot to pivot until you finally reached success in which you were able to accomplish a, a major goal of being able to pay off your mortgage, which is, you know, I'm sure a lot of people out there would, would love to be able to do that, pay off the mortgage, pay off student debt, um, what, what did you learn throughout all those iterations? What did you, what, what, what brought you from struggling entrepreneur to internet baller? What's the, story? <laughs> what's, the what's the Alex Barker story? Uh, well, yeah, like you said, I, I really struggled. I did a lot of dumb stuff in business. Um, I was trying to be like other people rather than reflecting on who I was or what I wanted to become. And I found that really through some inner work, meeting with people in masterminds and getting a coach, I figured out there are certain things that I could do to really make a difference. 
to really make a business. And what I started to work on was getting over my inner uh, doubt about creating a business that's related to pharmacy because I had some significant roadblocks about that. Um, I had this idea in my head that if I'm going to become an entrepreneur, then I can't do anything pharmacy related. Um, I thought things like, that'll bore me. Uh, that's not interesting. Uh, I, I don't want to be a pharmacist forever. Um, bunch of junk and garbage, really. And what I started to do was get creative about, okay, well, what kind of business as a pharmacist could I make? What could I do? And uh, it started to get creative. And essentially, it led me to create my media company. Um, basically, what we do is we make and sell content for healthcare websites. Mm. And in the beginning, it was just me. Uh, and then we brought on team of people, and now they run it smoothly. It's a well fined oil machine. I love it, and it's going on in the background while I'm doing. I have to admit, more fun stuff like coaching, because you know if you're going to be a baller, there are some things that you got to do in business that suck. That's true. Uh, <laughs> it's not fun. Um, I mean, but you have to do it. Uh, but there should be a major portion of what you do that you do love. For me, and that's coaching. Um, that's when I feel like I'm making the biggest difference in the world. It's when I feel like I'm really helping people out um, because I expect to see results from them if they take action on the things that we talk about. So what's the journey look like? It's a big squiggly line. <laughs> it's never a straight path. You know, it's fun to come on these shows and we, we talk about the things that I've accomplished. But like in many ways, I'm still figuring this out. Mm-hmm. I'm still growing. I'm still learning. I look up to people who y- you hear them on podcast interviews and you're like, man, they, they have it all together. And if I buy their course, then I'll have it all together too. <laughs> um, which, by the way, I have a course. <laughs> um and you wonder, I, I start to wonder like, well, what, what is their secret? But deep down, everyone who's an entrepreneur is trying to figure something else out. They're, they're struggling with something. They're, they don't have it all together. No one does. Don't be fooled that they do. Um, so where am I at in this journey? Am I at the end? No, man, I'm not the guy who... I'm not the guru who's going to create a course and tell you the five ultimate steps to building a business. I think I have a lot of great knowledge in it, and I think I can teach people how to do it, but that's just not me. Mm-hmm. So where am I at? Where are my goals? Well, I know that I want to get this coaching business up to full income status, which it's nearly there. Um, I want to keep maintaining the the media company business, which is all online. Uh, my team is in Philly and in the Philippines, so uh, things are great there. Um, and I also have some other stuff going on the sidelines. But for now, we'll we'll just keep hustling along and growing things naturally. Nice. So let's talk a little bit about the uh, the content um, business that you created in the healthcare niche. So you talked about something that I think. Uh, probably touches at the hearts of a lot of people listening, which is, you know, you had a limiting limiting belief about the industry you were in, 
about whether or not, one, you wanted to stay in it, and two, whether or not you could find a way to make, uh, I guess, online income from it. Um, yeah. And then you realized uh, there was a, 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 a need in the marketplace for this, for this content. So what did it take for you to discover that, and how did you figure out who the ideal clients were? How did you, you know, get that first, uh, that first sale? Well, actually I found it was, I wouldn't say sale. It was an opportunity. Okay. Yeah. Uh, to create some content. And I found the opportunity, I don't know, maybe like six months to even 12 months before I made the transition to focus on it. Um, in the beginning, as an entrepreneur, I, I, I wouldn't even say entrepreneur. I would say side hustler, just trying to figure something else on the side. Um, I, I had no clue what I wanted to do. I didn't understand what I was trying to go for. Just I wanted something that would make me extra income um, to get rid of debt. And I looked at anything and everything. And even while I was focusing on creating something for myself, I lacked the focus to f get deep in the weeds with it because I looked at other things and other opportunities. And while I was wasting time weighing these opportunities, I wasn't spending the time focusing on my niche. So I I was searching for opportunities out there to somehow make some extra money. And I heard about this opportunity and I thought, well, maybe, but it's not really what I want to do right now. And looking back on that, man, it was such, such an idiotic decision okay. because, uh, man, if I would have started back then, I probably would be completely debt-free by now because um, at this point, I've only got about $40,000 left of college loans. Mm. Um, and that's after paying off all my wife's debt and some car debt and some business debt um, that we all end our house. So I probably would be completely debt-free if I would have jumped on that opportunity. But the thing that, like I said, stopped me was my mental roadblocks to think, man, I don't want to do this. I don't want to be a pharmacist forever. And now I'm, I'm really loving it. I'm loving this identity that I have taken on, which is being a pharmacist. Hmm. So what sort of content uh, are, you, are you creating? Um, at this point, uh, the majority of it is uh, written content. Um, the some of the content that I create is audio. Uh, we actually just launched a podcast uh, called Pharmacy Life. Huh. It's it's pretty simple. It's it's focusing on the pharmacy niche. And uh, if you want to look at the business model, what it really is is um, an avenue for leads for coaching because uh, I do some of that kind of coaching. And then it's also sponsorships. So we get people, you know, a high valuable uh, clientele pharmacists. And what actually gave me that idea to think about is, well, number one, my love for podcasting. I absolutely love it as a medium. And I love talking and speaking, if you haven't figured that out by now. <laughs> and uh, the, the other thing I found out, I found this out randomly one day. And it was, uh, it was through a friend. And I found out that uh, pharmacy companies, uh, companies that cater, you, you know, with software or services or technology, will pay a minimum of something like a three thousand to four thousand dollars just to get a booth, a ten by ten booth in a conference, mm -hmm. to get in front of a few hundred pharmacists. 
And when I heard that, I thought to myself, what? <laughs> and I thought, man, how much better is a podcast than a conference? You have engaged listeners for 20 minutes, 20, 30 minutes. You, uh, they hear it all the way through. They don't listen to just part of it. Um, it's evergreen content. There's potential for leads for you know months to years to come. That's kind of what led me down the road to create that. But um, at right now, it's mainly written content that we're focusing on because it it's the most lucrative, and our team is the quickest with it. Okay, the profit margins are the highest at this point. So with uh with with going from your struggling periods to your success, are there are there moments that you can think of aha moments in which light bulbs went off and and made significant changes in your mindset and in the things that you decided to focus on in your business that really um I guess moved the needle forward? Yeah. I think the biggest aha moment was discovering that I really enjoy helping individuals. Um, and I mean, that that shouldn't be an aha moment, you know? Because <laughs> it's like, okay, everyone likes helping people. Um, but what made me realize I really liked helping people was I was, I've been doing masterminds for years. And uh, I, ref- I was just reflecting on this idea that, man, what, what I really get the most value of in our meetings is when I'm helping someone in the hot seat and then I follow up with them in a call and I start just asking more questions, trying to figure out, okay, you know, let's get, let's get deeper in this stuff. Let's, let's help you overcome this challenge. And that's where I was getting the most value in my life, like the most significance, the most joy, satisfaction. And I wanted more of that. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I've always been coaching and I, you know, I was getting joy from that too, but the realization that, man, this is, I guess I never really thought about it before when, before the mastermind, just thinking, oh man, this is really what I should focus on rather than the media company or some other, uh, the affiliate sites that I have. Um, this is where the, the magic happens. Mm. That was my aha moment. So when did you get to a point where you felt like you had enough, I guess, experience, expertise, whatever it may be, uh, that you could get over imposter syndrome and, and feel like you could be a valuable coach, that you felt comfortable charging for your coaching services? So you're asking me when have I faced imposter syndrome? Yeah, just like, you know, I, I'm, I'm assuming, you know, you, you go from uh, being pharmacist, you, you, you know, you pivot through these different business uh, ideas, you finally realize, I love talking to other people. Um, when did you, I guess, that when did that moment happen when you realize, like, I can be a coach? Like, I have, you know, valuable information to not only talk to people about, but to charge them money for, and it's, and it's worth what I'm, uh, what I'm asking. Man, I face that every day. Imposter I, I, <laughs> syndrome, it doesn't go away. Yeah. Uh, if you want to level up your game. Because um, what imposter syndrome does to your mind is think, 
you are at this level and you can't go here to the next one. Because uh, if you pretend to be there, you're a fraud and people are going to find out. Um, I think every high-level entrepreneur, achiever, deals with that idea of, I am not a winner. I am a fake. Mm-hmm. I am a loser. Um, how I how you deal with it determines what kind of success you have. And for me, I have to swallow the ego and I have to say, screw you, Alex. You're going to try to help this person powerfully. Because right now, the I'm I'm actually pivoting a little bit on who I'm actually targeting with my coaching services. And some of these people are, you know, my old self would say they're leagues above me. Or my imposter syndrome would say, there's no way you can help these people. These people are on a completely different uh, plane than you. Hmm. You can't even begin to fathom who they are and what they can accomplish. And so that makes me think like, oh, you can help these people. And it gets me nervous talking to them. Um, Luckily, I've reflected enough on this and thought, okay, well, what are my strategies to overcome this? How do I come to a conversation confident that no matter what their problem is, I can powerfully serve them and help them. Mm-hmm. That's really helped. Because if you don't, if you don't tackle imposter syndrome, it's just, it's just going to keep coming back in. It's going to keep creeping back in and there's nothing that you can do to kill it. <laughs> can't yeah. kill the beast. Can't kill the monster. I like yeah. that. Well, I, and I think that that's something I mean, you're absolutely right. I, I think, um, everyone struggles with that. I think, uh, what was it the other day? I'm in, uh, Jason Van Orden from internet business master. I'm in his, um, yeah. impact, uh, Facebook group. And he posted something the other day talking about how he was, he's recently making a pivot in his business and how he's facing imposter syndrome. And I thought, what Jason Van Orden, who's been doing this for, you know, I don't even know, 10 years more online. Uh, but you you know, it, 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 you know, it's, it's exactly what you said. Everyone faces it at certain points. So you just got to find a way to, to swallow it and get over it and move forward. Um, so Alex, a, a great thing that you did for me was you set up the first mastermind that I was ever in. Uh, <laughs> and so for people yeah. who don't know who I have talked about, I have talked about my mastermind group on the podcast before, uh, but Alex was the one who set this up. So Alex put out a message in uh, the Smart Passive Income um, Facebook group. And he said, hey, anyone who's interested in joining a mastermind, put your name into the spreadsheet and I will create a mastermind group for you. And he did that. And our group stayed together for uh, for a year. Um, and it was great. And honestly, if it weren't for that group, I would have probably not launched my podcast yet. I probably wouldn't have oh, wow. launched um, you know, the, the different blogs that I've tried. Uh, and, and it's just, you know, the accountability, the, the getting support from people, uh, is, is just a great, uh, awesome thing. So I, I want to thank you for setting that up. And I want to talk to you about like, what is your process for, you know, cause I'm sure you got hundreds and hundreds of people to sift through and try to figure out how to pair them up and what makes a good group. What, what makes a good mastermind? What's the secret sauce and the formula, <laughs> uh, for a good mastermind and, and how do you keep it going? Well, I can tell you what uh, makes a mastermind fail, but let's first define what a mastermind is if okay. you've never heard of one. Um, very simply, a mastermind group is a group of people who are committed to each other, uh, to their success, 
and they meet on a consistent basis to help each other overcome their obstacles, um, whatever they may be. Now, the number one thing that halts a group from really having success is not having a facilitator, a leader of the group. Um, in fact, you mentioned the SPI stuff. So I paired well over 400, 500 people into mastermind groups. And the vast majority of them, uh, 80 to 90% fail. They never meet. Um, it's always great to meet the people who do, though, um, because, you know, it's kind of like, okay, I made, a, I made a great difference <laughs> in someone's life. Um, but the most don't fail because no one takes charge. No one takes initiative. Mm. Um, it's kind of like going into a meeting where there's no agenda. There's no f- leader, no person that calls the meeting together. Um, those tend to die out. So that's one thing. Not having a structured format is another reason why they fail, but more often than not, it's the leader. Um, hence why people come to me and get into groups because there's a lot of value from them. There's a lot of value getting the feedback from other people, really the, the brain trust of the idea. I mean, th- that's kind of what Benjamin Franklin was going for when he first essentially invented the idea of a mastermind. He's kind of one of the founding fathers who first used it. Mm-hmm. At least that's documented, I should say. And in his group, they asked relatively same questions each meeting, things like, what did you learn about? What new technology did you use in your business? Um, what did you fail at? And how can you approve next time? Mm. Um, so each mastermind, you know, they can be about anything. Could be about health. Could be about your career. Could be about a project um, or starting a business like what we're talking about. So they really apply <laughs> to any part of my your life. And I've been using them for over four Oh, four years now, and they're the reason why I'm here today. Uh, that and my coaches, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be here talking to you, Michael, if I didn't have those relationships in my past. Hmm. Great. So uh, the mastermind groups that you that you set up and that you've been in, um, what what is the formula that you have for? Uh, I guess selecting a leader or being a leader. How frequently do you meet, and what is the I guess typical format? I know the like kind of the format for the um, uh, the group that I have, but I'm kind of curious as to what format you use for your group. And if you're in multiple groups, are they different? Hmm. Uh, I am in a couple of groups, um, and everyone's different. Uh, I run a few groups as the facilitator, um, and then. I also am a part of a group uh, where I'm, I'm just a participant. Mm-hmm. So the, the optimal way that I find the most impact in my life is the following format. Um, we meet on a weekly basis. The meeting starts off with everyone sharing what they accomplished since the last meeting, uh, basically sharing their wins from the previous week. Then we jump into the hot seat, and the hot seat is where one person presents a problem that they're facing. We spend, we actually spend about maybe five, seven minutes clarifying the question, figuring out, is this really the question you should be asking? Hmm. Um, 
Because sometimes, more often than not, if you don't think things through, you're going to come to the meeting with not a very good question, potentially a question that isn't going to make much of a difference if we have it answered. Um, so we spend a considerable time asking questions. Then after that, after once we decide on what the problem actually is, then we ask even more questions. Uh, we try to figure out what's the heart of the issue here. Um, what angles are you considering? Um, what have you tried in the past? And we're not giving any advice during this time. I need to make that clear. We're not asking questions like, well, why don't you just create an email list and why don't you just sell this product or... We're just asking questions to clarify where's the person coming from. Then what we do, and this is, I need to trademark this because no one talks about this. Um, but my process is we simply have the person in the hot seat stay quiet while everyone else has a discussion about their problem. Hmm. And we do this for a couple of reasons. Number one, it's really easy when other people are giving you advice, even if you're open to it, that you get defensive and you start explaining away why that person isn't going or isn't their advice isn't true. Um, uh, a prime example of this, I was considering joining this person's mastermind group because they were an acquaintance of mine. And um, I like to say well-connected in the online community. So I joined one meeting and it was just it was it wasn't great. The <laughs> the person in the hot seat was trying to explain the problem and the person who was running the meeting was immediately just trying to throw out any advice that may work, may or may not work. Hmm. Um and like I like I was just flabbergasted. Like I thought, well, this isn't gonna help her at all. Which explained why this was a taster for her group, and it explained why it was so low of a price. Um, and I, and as this woman, uh, as the leader was giving out advice to the hot seat member, the hot seat member just kept saying, "Like, well, that won't work because of this," or you know, "Oh, I don't have enough money to do that," or just all these excuses. And I eventually, I don't know, it was like forty-five minutes in, and I just. I was trying to be polite, and I said, you know, uh, Mrs. Joe, you, so I've noticed something about our meeting with you. Do you mind if I share my reflection with you? She said yes. And I said, Mrs. Joe, you have, every time someone has given you advice on this problem, you have done your very best to give an excuse as to why it won't work. <laughs> So why should I give you any advice if you're not actually going to take it? And it was the comment was kind of brushed off and I and I the end of the meeting came and I just said, "I'm sorry, there's no way I'm going to join a group like this." <laughs> um but we want you to stay silent in the mastermind setting for the kind I run because we don't want you to try to tell everyone else why their advice is poo-poo. Hmm. Hopefully they've asked enough questions to give you really great advice. Um, but we don't, want, we don't want untargeted advice. That's the worst thing to be in a mastermind setting. And the other reason why, too, is we want you to fully take in what everyone is saying. 
Um, we want you to take all of it in so that after we're done, you can reflect then on what you need to do to take action, where you need to be. And um, we actually don't do accountability in our group, nor, mm. how I used to do it. What we really just do is we use um, a Google Doc and Facebook group to hold each other accountable and to say what we're going to do. Um, and we keep a very active community um, in, a, in the group setting, in, in, excuse me, on the Facebook group setting. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's how I run all my meetings now. Okay. So um, the, uh, I guess, not including the accountability piece during the meeting, what, what's the reason behind that? Well, sometimes I should clarify. Sometimes I do include it mm-hmm. uh, for convenience sake. Um, I don't include it because it it takes time away, and an hour in in a, in a mastermind goes by so quickly. Mm-hmm. And so I try to maximize every minute that we have, uh, so that we can get the most out of our conversation, because the the value that people get from mastermind. Yeah, accountability is a part of it, but the kind of people that join my groups, they don't need me to hold their hand. You know, they don't need me to say, well, hey, did you send off that email to that client? Um, That's not the kind of person I want to work with. They're the kind of people who would rather want the creativeness of of each other's minds to solve their problem. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. So it's it's really a time issue. If I... If we could extend the time, then yeah, maybe we'd include it, but we just try to be efficient with what we have. Okay, that makes sense. So if, if, I, got, if I got this right, so you're, the mastermind process is you have someone in the hot seat, uh, you first start out by asking them questions to get you know, really clear on what they need help with. Once you get that clarity, uh, that person stays silent for a period of time while the other members discuss um, the issue and then at, is there a certain point where um, I guess that person gets to address the recommendations that are made? And uh, mm-hmm. so, so what happens then? Yeah, I didn't include that, did I? <laughs> so after everyone shares their uh, advice in a non-aggressive uh, way, what we do is we invite that person back into the meeting and they essentially share what it is that they got out of that conversation. For, so for example, I was in the hot seat this morning for my master, my peer mastermind group. Mm-hmm. And um, I shared my problem. They gave me advice. And I came into the group and I said, here's what I got out of this. Um, I think my potential solutions going forward are X, Y, and Z. And over the next couple of weeks, I'm going to focus on choosing one of these options. Um, and they had opened my mind to some new possibilities that I've thought of, but I didn't really consider. Um, it was a great conversation because it was a problem that I had been dealing with for the last few months and thinking about and wrestling with and just getting their clarity and their creativeness going really helped open me up. Okay. So what sort of prep work, um, do you do to prepare for your mastermind or, or do you do prep work? Well, it depends if I'm running the group. Yeah, there's some prep work. Um, 
Well, but I mean, anyway. I'm just a, I guess what I'm thinking of is, uh, let's say like you're you're in the hot seat. You know, you were in the hot seat this morning. Did you have to do any? Did you do any prep work to, I guess, get yeah. ready for that? And what's in, what's involved in your uh, hot seat prep? Yeah. So the prep uh, comes to a couple of questions that we ask ourselves. Uh, number one, what's the number one thing you want to get out of this meeting? So setting the intention right from the beginning as to what you want to get so that no matter what happens, hopefully you're not disappointed because you set the intention. Um, the other thing is, is you, we write down our current challenges. We think about what is it that we're really facing right now and, and how could our one-hour discussion that we have together influence that problem? Um, but other than that, there's not too much preparation as far as being a part of a group. Okay. Um, but we, there's a lot of setting of intentions before you meet. Because if you just want to start meeting with your friends, uh, the, the group is going to go to you know where. Uh, the, you have to be able to say, this is what we're going to get out of our group. And this is what I want everyone to agree to. And if you can't, then... Let's, let's not meet anymore. What's happened in the past for me is when I don't set the intention with everyone as to what you can agree to do to before each meeting, then people start not showing up. They don't bring, they haven't prepared a good enough problem uh, for the group. Um, actually, those are the main two things. And the group dissolves eventually. Um, that's what's happened to a lot of groups in the past that I used to run. Yeah. Um, so hopefully it sounds like I've perfect, perfected the process, <laughs> but I'm always learning. Right, right. It, well, it sounds like you're doing a great job. So what advice do you have for someone who doesn't currently have a mastermind group? They want to get involved with one. How do they find one? How do they form one? What, what, and, and what maybe warning signs or good things should they look out for in picking the right one or avoiding the wrong one? Well, a mastermind group should definitely be people who are at the same level. Um, it doesn't make sense for me to be in a mastermind group with Mark Cuban. Mm -hmm. That just is never going to happen. <laughs> I mean, it'd be awesome, but probably not going to be likely. Right. Um, the easiest way probably is to reach out to your network if you know people. If you don't know anyone, if you're listening to this podcast and you're like, man, this is great inspiration, but I don't have anyone in my community... Um, then actually I would encourage you to just go to my website, 66dayexperiment.com and I've got a mastermind page on there and what I do regularly is I pair people into groups and I facilitate them. Hmm. Um, that's probably one of the easiest ways. There are a few niche websites out there that try to pair people together. I've never seen one successfully performed and uh, implemented. So I don't have an option right now for people to go to um, the best thing is really to find the other option is excuse me is to go to someone that you're following um, online obviously like a leader or a guru or some podcaster maybe and join their community uh, likely they have a Facebook group that they have an email list and just start asking around in the comment section or in the Facebook group and says, and ask, hey, who is in a mastermind or who is looking for someone? Because 
I need to join one. I want some of that magic. I want <laughs> the feedback and I want the accountability in my life too. Um, those are really the three ways to probably find them. As far as who you are looking for, you definitely need to talk to them before you agree to meet with them. Mm-hmm. Definitely talk to the people um, because sometimes you're just not going to jive with everyone. Um, or you may found out this is totally not what you thought. <laughs> um, that's why before I put a group together, I meet every single person who signs up for that list to join a mastermind. Um, I want to know, number one, what's their challenge? What do they really need help with? And number two, do I even like this person? <laughs> um, right. Because, I mean, there's some people who just join, you know, they want to join a group because they want all the benefit or they're just a sleaze bag or I don't know. <laughs> I I mean, if if we're going to work together, we have to like each other, right? Right. So that's what that process is all about. So those are the things I would suggest to anyone who wants to start a mastermind. Ultimately, it should come from you. But if you don't have the resources or the network, then look outside, look on my site, look in blogs or Facebook groups. Okay, awesome. Thanks for sharing that. Uh, so last, I wanted to ask you about, uh, I know you're a coach, but you also, you talked about, uh, receiving coaching yourself. Um, what did your coaches do for you? What, what was the, and one, I guess I'll I'll start out with what were you looking for initially from the coach and what did they do for you? And is that the same? (laughs) It's never the same. Mm -hmm. No, (laughs) No, I think almost everyone goes looking for a coach because they want something, but what a coach almost always reveals is what someone really what they really want. Mm-hmm. Um I think what I wanted was someone who could guide me, uh give me like a roadmap for what I wanted out of life. And I think they do provide that. I think my coaches have provided that in the past, but what they've really done for me is given me a lot more clarity on where I'm going. Um, My coach now, she holds my feet to the fire. She believes in my bigger vision in my life. She doesn't listen to the negative stories I tell myself. She doesn't allow me to dwell in the imposter syndrome or um, my biggest stronghold in my life that that pulls me down, actually. Stronghold is probably not the best word, is is, um, I, I must succeed. I must win. That's what I really believe a lot. And because I always believe it, it actually holds me back from stopping things that aren't working. Um, And she's helped me identify them and overcome them in really big ways. Coaches help you understand so much more about yourself. And I really wish that I started off with coach early on. Um, Because if I did, I probably would have created my pharmacy business a lot quicker and I would have started coaching a lot quicker too. But I didn't do a lot of inner work. I just, I just wanted to create a system. I just wanted to create something that would make me extra money. And 
once I did it, then I, then I would be happy <laughs> and then I would never have to worry again. Um, but having a coach is so important because I mean, I mean, simply to touch, even touch on that subject of making more money, you can see if you were to take a look at my graph of income over the last four years, you can, you can actually pinpoint uh, places where you know that a, a coach's effect is taking place. <laughs> um, it's actually really interesting because I've gone through the dip multiple times. Seth Godin talks about this dip that people go through. Mm -hmm. And when my income goes down from my business is when I don't have a coach, mm -hmm. period. Happens every single time, every time. So I'm just trying to learn to not, to not, not have a coach. <laughs> <laughs> Keep a coach in the budget. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. Well, Alex, I, thanks so much for coming on the show. Yeah. Uh, you provided a lot of great me. information. Your story is super interesting. I'm, I, you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to, uh, uh, being able to call you one day and say, Hey, I just paid off my mortgage and, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I, I really appreciate you, uh, setting up that mastermind group because it, it was really, really helpful for me. So anybody out there who's looking for a mastermind group, definitely go to Alex's site because he's great at setting those things up. Uh, he's also great, uh, at coaching people. Uh, Alex, before we close out, I want to know how can the Baller Circle uh, learn more about you and your business and get in touch with you? Uh, probably the easiest. Well, if you want to get in touch with me, uh, if anything I said resonated with you, um, you can just email me at alexmichaelbarker at gmail.com. Um, let's, let's chat. Let's talk about how do we overcome some of these issues and get your problem solved forever. I'd love to set up a two-hour session where we sit down and chat about it. Um, that's a guarantee that I can promise I, or if you're like, no, nah, I just want to check out your podcast, Alex, that's cool too. 66 day experiment.com. That's my main hub. Awesome. Thanks, Alex. I appreciate it. That's our show for today. As usual, thanks for listening. Next week, I'll be speaking with sales and business coach Ben Shaib from sell and .com on how to sell your products and services in a way that actually converts. You can check out the show notes for this episode as well as listen to other episodes of the Internet Ballers podcast at internetballers.com. Again, I'm Michael Pasha and happy marketing. Thanks for listening to the Internet Ballers podcast. Through our guest stories, you will learn the path to go from struggling entrepreneur to internet baller. We'll see you on the next episode. <laughs>